Want to know about your past, present, and future? Well, look no further than the New Testament book of Ephesians. That's what our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, says today in our study of Ephesians chapter 2. Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, and our journey through God's entire word continues in a minute. But first, I got a quick letter from a fellow passenger named Bill in Quartzsite, Arizona. Bill says, I discovered your program on Sirius XM. I'm a truck driver working the night shift. Dr. McGee's messages are so relevant to today's climate, I thought he had just recorded them. Then one day I heard you mention something about his passing into heaven and got home and looked up your webpage. I was shocked to learn he had passed away more than 30 years ago. I was still in high school when he retired. I was truly saddened by this revelation, but I was amazed at how one man can continue to impact the world as he has. Every night I look forward to this program. Even now my eyes tear up thinking of the day I can shake his hand and say thank you. Well, thanks, Bill. Thanks for sharing your story. Glad to have you aboard the Bible bus. You know, let me ask you, what has God's Word and the time that we've spent in it mean to you? Has maybe a specific book or chapter changed or challenged your way of thinking? Well, just remember, your notes of encouragement about that subject mean so much to us. So would you write today and let us know? You can email us, super easy, biblebus at ttb.org. You can always write us a quick note. Send it to box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1, or leave a message at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Now let's pray as we open God's Word together. Lord, thank you for your saving grace, which is available to everyone. Lead us as we study to your truth. We ask that many will respond to your offer of eternal life through your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Get ready. We're now off to Ephesians 2 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now we return back today to this very wonderful second chapter of Ephesians, and we got down about two verses here. And I'd like to conclude that section by saying this, that we are in an area now where the past, present, and future of the church and of believers are given. You want to know, Christian friend, your past, present, and future. Perhaps you've driven down a highway sometime, gone through maybe a rather poor section, and you see a sign up by a house that says, we tell your past, your present, and your future. And they generally have it figured out that when you go in there, that they tell you how you're going to come into a great fortune. You're going to get a lot of money. You're going to be able to make a lot of money. I always think that's amusing because these people that know so much about the future, they generally live in the poorest section. They are poor as Job's turkey, however poor Job's turkey was. And they actually are not able to make it themselves, and yet a great many people go to them so they will be able to make it. And it's very interesting that even a lot of God's children don't seem to be able to let God give us our past, our present, and our future. Well, we have it all right here in the second chapter. Now, we were seeing last time the past. And you who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, a trespass is the thing Adam did, the word used of his sin. That which he did, he stepped over God's bound. And sins means just to miss the mark. We just don't come up to God's standard at all. And that's our condition, by the way, dead in trespasses in sin, and yet energized by Satan. In other words, 
The unsaved man's walking around this world like a spiritual zombie. He's dead in trespasses and sins. And now we're told here, in times past, you walked according to the course of the world. That is, you walked according to the age or the spirit of the age and of this world. And that means the society that we're in, what we call civilization today, the lifestyle. And according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that now worketh or energizes the sons of disobedience. Now, Satan leads these folk around as he led all of us around. Now, what does it mean to walk according to the spirit of the age of this world? Well, I recognize that today we hear a great deal about separation. And most of this talk on separation means that you get away from that which is fleshly or carnal and godless. But may I say to you that this lost world is characterized by certain mental and spiritual sins that are actually, I think, in God's sight, worse than the physical sins. Listen to James chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God." Now, there are a great many folk that come to church on Sunday, and they're as pious as a church mouse, and however pious a church mouse is. But, oh my, they talk about being a separated Christian, and believe me, Monday morning they start out in this old rough workaday world just as mean and hard and after the almighty dollar as much as anyone else is, and they want it to consume on their own selves their own selfishness. Now, I know this is strong medicine, and a great many folk don't like to hear it, but there are a lot of Christians living just like this today. James, who's very practical, mentions this. Now, friends, this is the thing we've been saved from. Now, John put it like this in 1 John 2, 15 and 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in it. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, there are a great many people that today are not living in sin. They say, they say, no, I would not commit these sins. And I wouldn't live and act like certain people do. The question is this. Dr. G. Calvin Morgan asked the question like this. He said, would you like to? <laughs> is that the reason that you like to see a TV program where it shows them living it up today? Because, you know, we do these things vicariously. I've always felt that the reason that the story of the prodigal son is so popular, the way that some preach it today is, you notice the Lord Jesus never mentioned any of the sins that boy committed when he was in the far country. 
But I've heard sermons in which you went from one nightclub to another, from one bar room to another, from one brothel to another. And you know the saints really enjoyed that sermon because they sat there and sinned vicariously. Would you like to live there? That's what John's talking about. Love, not the world. Do you really love it? How do you feel about it? I remember the first time Ms. McGee and I came to California. We were just, you know, fresh out of Texas. Uh, in fact, I'd never seen a body of water. I couldn't throw a rock over it before till I came out here. And we were amazed at the ocean. And we saw it from San Diego out, drove up the coast to Los Angeles. What a thrill. Then we drove from here up to San Francisco, and they were having that Treasure Island affair. She and I went over. We had a wonderful day, I must admit. And, though that was the bright lights on those colored walls, and then there was the soft music. It was beautiful. And that night when we left, we got on the ferry, and we went up on top. We, we were country. Well, we wanted to see the whole thing. And we sat there and looked back at that. And into the fog, that treasure island began to fade away, and the music began to die out. And I said to my wife, I said, I've had one of the most pleasant days today I ever had. I sure have enjoyed it. But I said, if right now Treasure Island disappeared and this bay went in under, and that was it, I wouldn't shed a tear because I don't love anything that's over there. And then I added this, I hope that I can have that kind of an attitude to the world today. A great many folk that talk today about the rapture of the church, and it's a wonderful thing to talk about. But really, I have a feeling some of them are really going to weep when they leave this world because they're so wrapped up in it. They're wrapped up in a job, wrapped up in a business, wrapped up in a home, wrapped up in some club, wrapped up in a worldly church. And, oh, they won't want to go because of the fact all of that's going to be changed. Well, this is strong medicine. Maybe it's a little too strong for you today. Now, I'm showing that the other apostles talked along this line. Simon Peter wrote in 2 Peter 2, 14 and 15, "...having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, a heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam the son of Boser, who loved the wages of unrighteousness." Now, this is a picture of the lost world. Do you somehow another fit into this, child of God? Well, maybe this is enough of this. Now, according to the prince of the authority of the haze of the spirit that now energizes in the sons of disobedience, you can't serve God and mammon. You've got to choose, Christian friend, who you're going to serve. And if you're serving God, it doesn't mean that you just don't go to picture shows and you don't use makeup and you don't... And don't misunderstand. I don't agree with that type of separation. But that's what I hear today. And that you don't do this and that and you don't associate with certain men that associate with liberals. That's not separation. That's absurd to talk like that. And then yourself to have eyes so filled with bitterness and hatred and selfishness. My friend... Those are the gross sins, by the way. Oh, I better move on because I'll lose my audience. Verse 3 says, "...among whom also we all had our conversation." Now, do you notice that Paul now makes it a we? He includes himself. First person plural pronoun that he adopts now. He puts himself right with this crowd. And you and I need to do so also. 
among whom also we all had our conversation, that is, our activities, our lifestyle, if you please, in times past, in the desires of the flesh, that is, of the old nature, doing the desires of the flesh and of the thoughts, and that's of the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, even as others. Now, there are Christians today that just live for the carnal nature. And that's the way the man of the world is living today, prompted and motivated by a godless philosophy and controlled by satanic principles. As a man, and he's supposed to be an outstanding Christian businessman, I visited him once. He showed me his home, a lovely home. He told me about his children. He told me about his business. told me about the honors that had been conferred upon him. He never once referred to his relationship Jesus Christ. May I say to you, there's something wrong with that kind of living, to live like that, to have a lifestyle that includes everything of the world but leaves Jesus Christ out of it. And this is the crowd that Paul says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, will you notice this is the past. But now notice what's happened. But God. Oh, this little conjunction, but is so important. But God being rich in mercy. And God's rich in mercy. And he had mercy on me. I know he's had mercy on you on account of his great love with which he loved us. Now, love didn't enable him to save us. But love provided a Savior so he could forgive us. And he's rich in mercy today being even dead in trespasses. He quickened us. That is, he made us alive together with Christ. And now he says, by grace have you been saved. And he's raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenlies, in Christ Jesus, in order that he might show forth in the ages which are coming the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ. Now, but God... And that denotes the radical contrast that has gone before in the first three verses. Those first three verses, they're as black and hopeless as anything can be. Man is a complete failure. He's incapable of saving himself. God comes on this scene of death with mercy. He does not have too little too late. He has a surplus. For an infinite God is rich in infinite mercy. He has what man needs and he has what you need. The only requirement is that man believe him. And he does this by his grace. A poor woman from the slums of London was taken down with a group of people for a holiday at the ocean. She'd never seen it before. And when she saw it, she burst into tears. And there were those around who thought it was strange that we'd given this lovely holiday and then for her to burst into tears. And she was asked, says, why in the world are you crying? And she pointed to the ocean. She says, this is the only thing that I've ever seen, that there was enough of it. <laughs> oh, my friend, there's enough of the mercy of God. He's got oceans of mercy because God does what? He saves us by his grace. Now, let me illustrate this. What does it mean to be saved by the grace of God? We were dead in trespasses and sin, incapable of saving ourselves. Now, God comes on the scene, and by grace, he reaches down. He finds nothing in us. He finds it in himself. You see, when God came down to deliver Israel, 
It wasn't because they were lovely and beautiful and serving him. They were not. They were stiff-necked people, he said. They were idolatrous. They were worshiping a golden calf out there in the wilderness. He said, I've heard their cry. Now, why did that appeal to him? Because he loved them. He loves you and he loves me today. He loves us. But he doesn't save us by love. He saves us by grace. Somebody says, how does he do that? Well, let me illustrate that. I have had for years, when I'm in Southern California, a Bible class in Orange County and a Bible class down in San Diego County. And several years ago, a group from Campus Crusade worked on the beaches down there in San Diego County and led quite a few of those young people to Christ. Well, now some of them belong to the hippie group. But I want to say this, that I found out a lot of those are genuine. And I've come to the place myself that I don't judge a man by his dress. And we're told never to judge a book by its cover. You're not to judge a man by his dress. So these young people, the leader, I was told, put them on our program to listen to our radio program. They also used our tapes, used our books. And I didn't know this. When I went down there, the first class, Sitting on the first two rows were a bunch of these young people. My, what a crowd of them. And I want to tell you, some of them were dressed in a very unusual manner. And they had the long hair and all that sort of thing that associated with this group. But very frankly, they shocked me at first. But I found out they had their Bibles, notebooks, and they had some spiritual life, which, by the way, you don't always find in our churches today. And here these young people were in real life. Now, a young fellow came up to me afterward, and he said to me, that wasn't the first time, about the third or fourth time, this young fellow who had been attending came up to me, had written all over him, and he had on a funny hat. On it, he had written, love, 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 love. He had a funny coat on. On it, written, love, love, love. Had funny trousers, by the way, and he had written on love. Shoes, had written on love. He had written all over him. And I said to him, I said, why in the world do you have love written all over you? Oh, he says, man, God is love. Well, I said, I agree with you. Nothing could be truer than that. God is love. Then he added this, and he says, God saves us by his love. Oh, I said, I don't agree with that. God doesn't save us by his love. I said, give me the verse. Well, he scratched his head and thought a minute or two. He says, well, maybe I can't think of it right now. Well, I said, when you do, let me know, because I've never been able to find it. And so... He said then, well, if God doesn't save us by love, how does he save us? Well, very frankly, I said, I'm glad you asked that question. Because I said, the Bible says, by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I said, God saves us by grace. Well, the boy won't know. What's the difference? Well, I said, the difference is just simply this. I said, God does love you. I said, let's don't lose sight of that. God loves us. But I said, God, just on the basis of love, he can't open the back door of heaven and slip us in under cover of darkness. And he can't let down the bars of heaven in front and bring us in the front door. Because I said, now, not only God is love, first of all, God is light. He's the moral ruler of this universe. And he's righteous. He's holy. And he's good. Now, I said, all of that adds up to one thing. God can't do things that are wrong. That is wrong according to his standards. Now, I said that God couldn't save us by love. I said love had him strapped. He can love without being able to save. And I said, the verse I thought you were going to give me was John three sixteen. God so loved the world 
And I said, let's look at it. God so loved the world that he saved the world? No, I said, that's exactly what it doesn't say. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, God couldn't save the world by love because he goes on to say, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, what? Might not perish. Well, I said, you and I are going to perish. We're lost sinners. And God still loves us. But the love of God just can't bring us into heaven. God had to provide a salvation, and he paid the penalty for our sin. Now I said, a God of love can reach out his hands to a lost world and said, now if you'll believe in my son, because he died for you and will come to me on that basis, I can save you. Now I said, God doesn't save us by love. God saves us by grace today. And I said, frankly, that's more wonderful because I said that today I could get out of favor or could, when I was a boy, with my parents because of sin, because something I did wrong. But I said, I can never get out of favor with God. I can lose my fellowship. And if I sin, that breaks fellowship. The Spirit of God is grieved. But I said, if I'll come back to him, if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive my sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But even if we walk in darkness and we say we have fellowship with him, we're lying because we're not having fellowship. But if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And what happens? If I walk in the light of the world of God and I see I've come short, well, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, just keeps on cleansing me from all sin. Why? Because God does it by grace. And what about grace? Well, he's rich in mercy and grace. He extends mercy to you today. And God has his arms outstretched to a lost world and says, if you come my way, and by the way, this is his universe. He's doing it his way. You may have a better way, but you don't have a universe. He does. This is his. He makes the rule. And you're going to have to come his way. He loves you. Oh, you can't keep him from loving you. Now, what you can do, you can't keep the sun from shining, but you can get out of the sunshine. And by sin today, by being out of the will of God, turning your back on him, you won't experience the love of God. But if you'll come to him through Christ, he'll save you. God is rich in mercy. Now, that's the present state of the believer. How is that? Why, he not only lifted us from a graveyard, a spiritual graveyard, but he's made us alive sitting in Christ today, yonder in the heavenlies. He's the head of the church, you remember? We saw that in the first chapter. And what's he going to do? Why, he's going to show forth in the ages which are coming the exceeding, the overflowing riches of his grace and kindness toward us. I'm going to be on exhibit someday. And angels are going to go by and say, see that fellow McGee? He wasn't worth saving. He was lost. But look at him today. He's here in heaven. And why is he here? Because of the riches of the grace of God. And God was kind to him. God saved him. And God brought him here. And that's going to be for the praise of God throughout the eternal ages. And I'm not going to get any credit at all. Did you know that? Oh, not one bit of credit. But you want to know something? I'm going to be there. And that's good enough for me. And I'm going to join that angelic host. And I'm going to sing praises to God. Why? Because he saved me. I'll be for the demonstration of that. Friends, you can't have it any better than this. This is the most wonderful thing that I know of that we have. 
And here we're told in a very wonderful way that we've been quickened together with Christ. That's a possession, impartation of divine life. Raised and seated with Christ in the heavenlies, that's a position that we're given today. And you just can't add anything. And grace is the way. Grace is mentioned twice here. And you can't have it, friends, any more wonderful than this. Oh, today to praise Him for His infinite, wonderful grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. May God richly bless you, my beloved. Well, praise God for His amazing grace. If you'd like to share today's message with a family member or friend who maybe needs to hear this exact message, you can visit ttb.org or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can answer your questions about this fruitful ministry. And when you're in touch, please tell us how you catch the Bible bus. Is it on our app or online? Maybe your favorite Christian radio station. Maybe it's that Bible bus flash drive or maybe it's YouTube or something else. Remember, that little bit of information really does help us in a big way. We'll continue to learn about salvation by grace through faith next time. I sure hope that you'll hop aboard the Bible bus and maybe even invite a friend. I'm Steve Schwetz, and as always, I'll be here saving a seat just for you. grateful for the faithful and generous support of Through the Bible's partners, whom God uses to take the whole word to the whole world.